I was a teenager when Toy Story came out. What happened? Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. Yes, I also was uh, was two at one point, and three, and four, and um, so I was a teenager when Toy Story came out, the movie Toy Story. I don't know if you remember when that movie came out. I had younger siblings, so I watched it. You know, a cool teenager would have never watched it on their own, but one with younger siblings would have, so I did. And I really liked it. It was a great story. I don't know if you remember. Do you remember the story of Woody and Buzz? And it was it kind of wrapped up at the end, and you know, you you left satisfied. It was great. It was a great story, great movie. You moved on with life. And then a few years later, Toy Story Two. You didn't even know there needed to be a sequel until you watched the sequel, and then you realized how could we have ever done it without Toy Story Two? That's kind of how I feel with today's sermon. I mean, I thought we were done. I thought we were done with chapter 1 last week. We wrapped up First Peter chapter 1. We're moving into chapter 2. And lo and behold, the start of chapter 2 is a sequel of where we ended chapter 1. And I hope at the end of these next two hours, you, you have the same feeling. You have the same feeling that I did after watching Toy Story 2. I hope you come to that point where you say, how could we have ever done 1 Peter chapter 1 without getting the first part of 1 Peter chapter 2? So we pick up with 1 Peter chapter 2. So let's just at least read the passage for this morning and then see what we get. 1 Peter chapter 2, we start with verse 1. Therefore, Rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So right out of the gate, right out of the gate, you see the first word. First Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Check it out. This is the first word. Therefore. And any time we see the word therefore, you have to ask, what is therefore, therefore? It's there because it's referring back to something that came before. Now, when the Bible was originally written, the, all the Bible was written. There were no chapter distinctions, divisions, and there were no verse divisions. It was one straight document. So I want to kind of try to do that. I want to still use some of the chapter and verse distinctions. But I want to read the passage now in its wider context. And I want to put the end of chapter 1 together with the beginning of chapter 2. And I want us to read it as one whole thought. And I want to read it out of the New American Standard Bible. Because the New American Standard Bible is a more literal translation of the original Greek. And it's going to be very helpful for us at one point in our study uh, this morning. So here we go. We'll start with 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. We'll go to where we stopped just a minute ago. We'll read it out of the New American Standard Bible. Since you have purified your souls in obedience to the truth, for a sincere love of the brothers and sisters, fervently love one another from the heart. 
For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living, enduring Word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory is like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls off, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the Word which was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, and all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander, And like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the Word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. One whole thought. So what we have when Peter writes, therefore, is a reference back to verses 22 through 25 in chapter 1. And there Paul has, has told them, has commanded them, love one another deeply. Now, the New American Standard says fervently. If we stick with the New International Translation, which we had last week, you love one another deeply. That's the command. Love one another deeply. And and how do we do that? Well, you have to be transformed from the inside. And how were we transformed? Well, you were born again by the Word of God. And because you've been born again by the Word of God, you now are enabled to love one another deeply. And we really grabbed on to the, the fact that it's God's Word that creates faith in us. Like, you don't try really, really hard to be a person of faith. You don't try really, really hard to love deeply. Well, God's got to do something in you. Just as a reminder, rather than read all of the passages we read last week, let's just pick one, Romans ten seventeen. Just as a reminder, Paul says it this way. Faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the Word about Christ. So you hear the message about Christ. You hear the Word, the Word of God, and the Word births something in us. It literally causes us to be born again. Not something you did, it's something God does. And so, at that point, now being born again, Peter takes the next step and says, well, let me tell you what all this means. It means you need to get rid of this list of sins that happens to be among you. If we were going to say this in a concise, like just in a few sentences, say it concisely, maybe even the way we would say it in conversation, this is kind of how I would word it. I think if we were saying it today, again, maybe a bit of a paraphrase. So we get what's happening in 1 Peter 2.1 when he gives us this list of things. See it in context now. Here's how I'd summarize it. Because you've been born again by God's Word... You must love one another deeply. This means that you need to get rid of all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander among yourselves. So when he says rid of all this list of sins, he's linking back to what it means to love one another deeply. And you might wonder, well, why those sins? Why malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander? I mean, what, why those and not a bunch of other sins? It's because those sins in particular still have a way of, of swirling around even Christian communities. These are sins that will hurt people. Now, we don't really often, at least I don't, I don't often go around you know, claiming people have slandered me or telling people to stop your malice. It's almost like I'm back in Shakespearean England. I just don't talk that way. I don't talk about malice and slander. Here's kind of the way I might say it. I might say it to our teenagers. I might say it to you. Maybe something I need to hear. 
here's the way I, I think we might talk about it. We hurt others by lying directly to them or about them. I think we all know what a lie is. When you lie to someone, that's, that's going to hurt them. Or you lie about them, that's going to hurt them. We hurt others by omitting truth in order to mislead them. I think this one is the more incipient, uh, the, the, the more pervasive one among us. It's not that I lied. I just may not have given you all the facts. This might happen in particular between the ages of 13 and at some point in the future. I don't know. I'm still in the middle of it. You just give them just, they just give you just enough. I didn't lie. Yeah, but you didn't tell me the whole truth either. I'm not saying that that never happens in my home. I just know as your pastor, this is happening in your home. We hurt others by harboring bitterness because of their prosperity. You ever been scrolling Facebook and seeing everybody else's life going well and you get a bit frustrated? You ever had that experience? Or you don't take away social media. You ever heard about how someone else's life seems to be going so, so well, but yours isn't? And then if that person is someone you don't like, bitterness just starts, just starts growing. You know what happens when bitterness starts to grow? People get hurt in the wake of your words. That's typically how that, go, that works. And I think you all know what it feels like to not like it when someone else Life is going well for someone else and not for you. And, it, and particularly when that person is someone that doesn't deserve it. Envy. Bitterness. People get hurt when that starts growing. And then this last one. People get hurt when we're nice to their face, but we talk behind their back. Yeah, that one. And, and you, we rarely talk behind someone's back boldly. For us Christians, it sometimes can come in the form of concern. We're just very concerned about this person. And then we just drop this dozer of detail about all the things we just happen to be concerned about. Or it's a prayer request. But never to their face would we ever talk this way. Wonderful, nice face on the outside, but on the back end, we can't say enough bad things about them. You know how this works. This is really the essence. This is the reason I just try to put the list together. What does it look like for us? Well, these are the ways this starts to look for us. The, this is what envy starts to look like on the ground and malice and slander and hypocrisy. And these things were a part of, of this community of Christians. And so what does Peter say? He says, listen, you can't love one another deeply and hold on to this list of sins. You can't have it both ways. You can't love and be for the good of your, your family and yet on the, on the back end be full of malice and slander and hypocrisy and envy. You can't hold both. And so what does he say? Get rid of. Now the Greek there, get rid of, can also be translated take off or put off. It's actually a common way that the early Christians would talk about becoming sanctified or more holy. It, it, it was a common way of describing what it looks like to, to become more like Christ in our love for one another. So let's just take a look at just one other place that this, this language is really prevalent. It's in one of Paul's letters. Colossians, it's the third chapter, verses, uh, I literally just forgot, 8 through 10. There it is. Um, Paul says this, he says, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, 
malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you've taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. You take off, you put on, you put on, so you need to keep taking off the old clothes. And who's he saying this to? He's saying it to a bunch of Christians. He's telling a bunch of Christians, don't be full of anger and rage and slander and malice and envy, and actually don't lie to each other. He's saying this to Christians. Same thing Peter's doing. You need to take off, make sure you're putting on. And this is what it begins to look like to love one another deeply. I mean, I'd like to be part of a community where I don't have people be that are nice to me, to my face, and backbiting me, you know, behind my back, saying bad things about me behind my back. Who wants that? No one wants that kind of community. This is why Peter's saying this the way he's saying it. But how do you do that? I mean, how do you take off all this stuff? I seem to, at least, at least for myself, I feel pretty prone to do some of those things. Envy seems to come pretty easy for me. Hypocrisy can be pretty easy. How in the world do you get rid of things like this? Well, in the same way that you can't just manufacture love, you need God's Word to, be, to, to uh, cause a rebirth inside of you. The same holds for taking off this, harmful, this, this, this list of harmful sins. You're going to need God's Word. So no surprise that what comes after verse 1, chapter 2, verse 1, is this in verse 2. He says, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the Word, so that, may, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. And this really now is the crux. The crux of where he's, he's taking his command. He did it in the end of chapter 1. He's going to do it again now. You love one another deeply, that's going to be by the Word. You need to take off this list of harmful sins, it's going to be by the Word. Two things going on in verse 2. There's this word long for, this phrase long for. You see it, it's long for. And we are to long for the pure milk of the Word. The NIV says pure spiritual milk. That's what we first read when we started in into the sermon. The NIV, pure spiritual milk. Well, the Greek word for spiritual is actually, the, uh, the, the Greek root of that word is logos. You know where logos shows up pretty prominently? John 1.1, 1, 1. in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the logos, and the logos was with God, and the logos was God. Logos is Word. And the word here that the NIV translates, Spiritual, but the NASB, the New American Standard translates word, is actually a cognate of the root word logos, which is why the New American Standard uh, translation translates it word. We are to long for the pure sustenance, the milk of God's word. So there's a longing here. We are too long. We are, we are to yearn for something that is stable and rooted. That's God's Word. And what did Peter just say? Remember, if you see this as one whole thought, not end of chapter 1, beginning of chapter 2, he's already made a pretty big statement about the significance and endurance of God's Word. How long does it last? 
forever. So that's why you long for it. Because in your longing, you will forever be satisfied by it. You want lasagna? Good. Eat your lasagna, and then you'll probably want it tomorrow. And the next day, and the next day. But it's finite. Why lasagna? I don't know. I might be having a craving right now. I might have, it might have been a Holy Spirit moment. If any of you cook lasagna and it's good, maybe you're, you need to, you, you, I'm being prompted to tell you you need to cook that for me. Maybe that's what just happened. I don't know why lasagna. There's plenty of other food I like. Um, so, it's a longing. And then there's that second thing. Here it is. In, 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 in verse 2, you may grow. So now here's where the, this illustration of the baby comes in. Because there's other places in the New Testament where we're told not to be like babies. Peter's not talking about levels of maturity. What he's talking about is the intensity of longing and need. A baby longs for his or her mother's milk. That's the key. You long for God's Word like a baby longs for its food. That's And when a mother feeds the child, do you know how much more the baby has to eat? Nothing. A mother's milk can sustain a child for quite a long time. That's that's the key of the illustration. Not that he's calling us to immaturity to be like infants. He's saying, be like a baby that is nourished by God's Word. Interestingly, this concept is not new to anybody. Remember when Jesus was in the wilderness being tempted? Satan comes to him and, and you know, Jesus is very hungry at this point. He says, hey, there's like this pile of stones. Why don't you turn it into bread? Matthew 4.4, 4, we get a record of what Jesus said. Here's what Jesus said. Quoting Deuteronomy 8.6, Jesus says this. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I like to say that God's Word actually has caloric value. It actually has a sustaining power. I actually think that in our fallen state, that in our separation from God, even in this world, that God's Word doesn't have the full effect that it one day will have. Do you know how we'll survive in heaven? Literally. I mean, do you know how your new body in the new heavens and the new earth will stay intact? By God's Word. Literally. You will survive in the new heavens, in the new earth, in your new body, because God will continue, perpetually, be speaking life into you. That's how you'll survive. It literally will sustain you. It just so happens that these fallen bodies can't be sustained with language only in our current state. This is part of the fall. But one day, just as God said, let there be light, and there was light, God will just speak. You'll keep living. He literally will sustain you like the calories in your food sustain you right now. That's the kind of thing Jesus is talking about here. Now, this connection between God's Word and the way you live is a deep-rooted tradition in the Scriptures. Thankfully, I will only quote two passages. And I'm going to take one of the most famous of those passages, Psalm 119. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. I just want to read you two passages out of Psalm 119. Watch the connection between God's Word and the way you live when you're driving on Old Farm Road. It's all there in the Hebrew. Here it is. Psalm 119, verse 11. I have hidden your Word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. See the connection? 
Here it is. Go, let's go into the next set of verses. 97 through 104. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me. And they make me wiser than my enemies. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. How sweet, emanation, sweet, are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. I love your word. Therefore, I walk the right path. I love your word. I stay away from evil. There is a deep connection between God's word. Tasting the Lord is good. For Peter 2, 3. And staying away from evil. Which for Peter means love one another deeply. Don't lie to each other. Don't talk. Don't, 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 give, don't be nice to someone one day and then talk about them bad the next behind their back. Love deeply and let God's word grow that in you. Remember Paul, remember we just quoted Colossians 3, where he says, like, he says, don't let anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy, filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other. Remember he said all that? And he says, get rid of that because you put on the new self. Interestingly, just a few verses later, he wraps up this section with this. Right at the end, he's wrapped, he wraps up Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. By the way, if you have children in the primary age, last month they memorized this verse. And man, Ava was um, militant about memorizing this verse. We read this every day. I almost thought about bringing her on stage just to her to quote it for us. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Isn't it interesting that Paul says that in the same thought where he's telling them to get rid of of all of these harmful behaviors. That's anger, rage, and malice, and slander. The same thing Peter does. Okay. So that's, I mean, that's, that's 1 Peter 2, verses 1 through 3. Obviously a sequel to the end of chapter 1. And a sequel that we didn't even realize we needed to round out that whole thought that we started last week. So what about application? Like, where are we going to land the plane this morning? Okay, so I... How I began to think about this was, man, I need God's Word. And that's something I've been thinking about for years now. I need God's Word because if I don't pick up God's Word, I'm going to pick up something else. I mean, something else is going to be in front of my eyes. It's going to overtake my mind. So if it's not God's Word, then something else. And it began to take me down that journey, like this journey of trying to list out, why do I need the Bible? Like, why is it important that I read the Bible? I mean... If it's this important, then there must be some concrete, practical, everyday reasons why I need to read the Scriptures and why you need them too. I just got a list for you. It may just feel overwhelming because it's a long list. Just, just let that just hit you. Let the, let the length of it do the work. Alright, so here are some practical reasons why I read the Bible. Here it is. God's Word teaches me that I am not the center of the universe. And I'm... I mean, seriously, you, we just could stop right there. Most trouble that most of us experience is because we think we're the center of the universe. When you don't get what you want, how do you feel? Angry? Frustrated? You ever lash out at anyone who's stopping you from getting what you want? You, we've been doing this together long enough. You know I like reading in the morning because it's quiet. And do you know who wakes up? 
early every day? My beautiful, cute, toddler sons. And there may be mornings. There may be mornings where I I might be a little more sharp to our two-year-old than I should be. It's because when I wake up and it's quiet and I'm pouring my coffee, it just appears that I'm the center of the universe. And then this kid breaks that illusion. You know a shortcut to figuring out that I'm not the center of the universe? God's Word is a nice shortcut to figuring out I'm not the center of the universe. He is, not me. All right, let's keep going. I won't give commentary on all of them. I feel like that's the big one. The, the God's Word also teaches me I'm not God. Same kind of theme, but not a bad thing to remember, right? It teaches me that I'm a sinner, so the problem's in here. I'm a sinner and I need salvation. It teaches me that God is in control. So if bad things are happening in your life, remember God is not let go. That's a really good thing to remember, particularly in suffering. You need God's Word to teach that. Because I'm telling you, Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, The New York Times, any other publication will not teach you that God's in control. You need the Bible for that. The Bible also teaches me that God loves me through Christ. It teaches me that there is such a thing as right and wrong. It teaches me that all lives matter. It teaches me that He created humans as male and female. Period. Continue. Here we go. It teaches me that sex is meant only for marriage. It teaches me that God's kingdom will last, outlast every other kingdom, even the United States. That should be an encouragement. You ever get discouraged in an election cycle? Yep, you can. Remember, God's kingdom outlasts every kingdom. It's only in the Bible you're going to get that. This world, it teaches me that this world is not my home. It teaches me that there's actually a right way to live. It teaches me that I must not compare myself to others on Facebook. You know, that's, the Bible's got something to say about that. It teaches me that I must be kind to people that I disagree with politically. It teaches me this one. I must not yell and scream at home. Now, if you're judging me, shame on you. You do the same thing. We all know. We all know what we do. Next one. The next slide is God's Word. Do we have one more? Yes. It teaches me that I must pray for people I don't like. It's a hard one. But the Scriptures tell me that. I must pray for people I do like. It teaches me that I must give generously to help others. It teaches me that I must be faithful in every way to my spouse. There's no shortcut to that one. There's no excuse for not being faithful. You must be faithful. From computer screen to another real person, I am to remain faithful. There's no get out of jail card on this one. There's no other option. The Bible teaches me that. And at last, it teaches me that I must serve others even when it's inconvenient. I get annoyed when pastors talking about serving. Everybody loves to serve. It's will you serve when it's inconvenient. That's when the rubber hits the road. The Scriptures teach us this. And I'm telling you, I've read a lot of people from a lot of different, a, a lot of different disciplines. From every spectrum, politically, theologically, socially. There's nothing like the Scriptures. It grounds us. 
And it teaches us reality unlike anything else. That's why I need the Bible. And from there, I learn how to love deeply. I, know, I learn how to get rid of all these sinful, these harmful sins. So if I had to just summarize it, here's how I'd say it in, in, in this application. If we eat God's Word daily, we'll become the kind of people who increasingly take off our harmful habits and instead love one another deeply. That's what you get. So don't put the next step slide, because I want to introduce it. Part of my sermon preparation is always trying to take what God's Word actually says after some time of study and try to get it on the ground. Something like we just did. Like, what does that look like for me? And what would it look like for you? And then I try to come up with this thing, this like next step that you and I can do, very tangible. And, and sometimes I really want it to be invented. Secretly, I want you to really think I'm smart. And it's really cool. And man, I racked my brain on this one this week. But I'm just going to bring you something old. Something I used last week. I got nothing better than I did last week. I'm just telling you, I really tried. This is it. Here it is. Here's your next step. Come to worship next Sunday. And read the Bible every day this week. I don't know another thing. We need to be in contact with God's Word and we need to do that together. And I understand some of us work, some of us have sports going on. I get that there are different reasons. But don't let inconvenience be the reason we don't come to worship together and to come into contact with God's Word. And then you, personally, open the Bible. Start with the Bible app and get the verse of the day. You could do worse. And then you go from there. Don't stop there. You go from there. That's it. I think we all can do that. Go to church next week. And if it's not here, go somewhere that's teaching the Bible. Now, I'm not trying to drive you away. I just want you to understand, I'm not here to sell the East 10th brand. I'm here to sell the Jesus brand, the Word of God brand. So come, go to a church next Sunday and read the Bible this week. That's it. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. It is enduring. It is... It will last forever. It will outlast the flowers and the grass. It will last, outlast every human kingdom. And in the end, Your Word will sustain every part of life. And Your Son, Jesus, as our Savior, who died for our sins, was resurrected, now glorified, He will be the center of our worship. And so we thank You for it. Help us, as ordinary people, help us to not lie, help us to not be hypocrites, help us to actually to, 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 to not talk bad behind people's back. I mean, help us in these practical ways so that we would learn as a church family how to love one another deeply. Your Word will have to do that in us as we work all of this out. So we trust you in it. You say that if we ask for wisdom, you'll give it. So we ask you for wisdom, we sit with your Word, and we know you will change us. That we will be the kind of people who actually love one another deeply. And so we, we ask you that. We ask you that under the authority of your word and our Savior Jesus. And together we say, Amen.